Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hello, Don. J.J., you know, we're coming out of this coronavirus crisis. Uh-huh. See how fast I said that? Yeah, coronavirus crisis. Can you say Cor- no. coronavirus crisis? <laughs> I, I, no. Corona no. crisis virus. Virus crisis. Corona crisis crisis. COVID, I, COVID, <laughs> COVID virus crisis. And we're having to rebuild our companies. Yeah. Right? We're having, do we, we're having to build or rebuild or grow or scale. Everybody's having to adjust things. Yep. It's like kind of like a storm blew through. Yeah. Some of us have some downed limbs. Yeah. Some of us don't have a roof. There's a lot of just repair and rebuilding. Yep. But how great would it be to have an instruction booklet on how to do this? Yeah. JJ, I yeah. know in advance you have a story because you have so many stories. <laughs> have you ever tried to put together a piece of furniture or anything else without instructions and how did it go every single time <laughs> that is not that is, dude, i don't have one story every single time it usually ends with the, you and a bottle of jack daniels yes, it's like under there's your, under your i follow the first two or three instructions and then by the end the i just put way. together my fire pit i had a fire pit put in in my backyard like with some railroad ties and rocks and everything and then i bought one of those you know kind of portable ones and, <laughs> and you screwed and, it all together. Oh, I cut myself and I Ugh. did. I mean, it was bad. And then by the end, I had so many parts left over that I have no idea what they're to. And so far, I've used it once and it actually was okay, but I was throwing things. Yeah. All I needed to do was read the directions. <laughs> but why? When you could use the directions to start the fire. That I did. I 100% did. I 100% did. <laughs> and listen, a few screws missing from a fire pit. Yep. What could go wrong? Very little. Very little. Very yeah. little. Kick your feet up on that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I refuse to buy Ikea furniture. Like, the, I just I learned my lesson. Like, and you have a PhD. Yeah. Yeah. That yep. should make all of us, the rest of us feel fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't do it anymore. I've got, I bought some shelves to organize my garage about three years ago. They're still in their boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got to come and do it for yep, me. Exactly. You know, the other thing is Betsy is slowly figuring out that I know how to do things. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's you been, are in we're trouble. seven years. I made it seven years yeah. into our marriage. Because she would just be like, hey, can you fix this? I'm like, oh, gosh. You we know, gotta I don't know. Bring somebody in to do that. And then, yeah. And then I actually like put a door back on its hinge the other day. And she's like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were incompetent. I was just pretending to be the dumb poet. Uh-huh. I'll write you a poem about the but, door. Yes. How we all feel about the door. <laughs> Never let your wife know what you're competent of. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, what if there were an instruction booklet on how to rebuild your company? Yeah. There is. Yep. Mike Michalowicz wrote a book called Fix This Next. You know that Mike is one of our favorite people on the planet, one of the most generous, awesome human beings I know. Yeah. And he's built a few companies, and he's built them well. Mm-hmm. And now he's reverse engineering how to do it. And his new book, Fix This Next, is the book that you need to read if you want to build your company right. So just set it by your you know, your table there, by, by your lazy boy chair, and every night read a chapter, and you're going to rebuild your company very, very differently. Did he write anything about building a fire pit? He did. <laughs> did he? He did. Didn't, it did not sell well. <laughs> didn't it? Well, I need to find that on audiobook or something so I can listen to it while I'm putting everything together. <laughs> All right. You're going to love this episode. If you're having to rebuild, it's going to give you a lot of encouragement, a lot of hope, and a lot of practical instruction. Here's my conversation with Mike McCallowitz.
Mike, thanks for joining us. Don, it is such a joy to be here at your home. Live in person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to acknowledge your white glasses. Like, you know you've arrived when you start wearing distinctly colored glasses. The you frame. know, what I did, they're, they're readers. I hit that point where I was blind within two feet. Yeah. And I went on Amazon and bought every 99-cent reader, and I just started putting them all around the house. Well, one of them happened to be white. And so I wore it, and somebody, and I think my my honorariums went up. So I, now I just only buy white ones. <laughs> They're white ninety cent, ninety nine cent readers. If anybody wants to know, it's worth a lot of money if it you're in the biz. Distinguishes you. I really like it. I really like it. <laughs> you got a new book? Fix this next. Yes. How many books is this for you? This is my sixth book. Wow. All business. All small business. Yeah. Most people who start a business, especially if they start succeeding, we all have the same series of problems. You know, this happens, then this happens, yes. then this happens. It's predictable. Yeah. And you've gone through, you've taken those predictable problems, and you said this is the order in which you need to fix things in order to get the rocket off the launching pad. I would believe, I argue there's a DNA for businesses. Yeah. Like, you and I are identical. Actually, every human on this planet is identical at the 99.9% level, like, you know, the, the essence of what makes us up. It's the outside skin that's different, or our height, or our weight, and yet we judge that. And we mm. say, well, how different we are. Right. When we look at businesses, you talk to any business owner, like, oh, my business is so different. I'm in manufacturing or I own a flight school or whatever it is. But when we look at the essence of it, 99.9% of businesses are the same. It's really the same. Yeah. We've got to understand how to make a vision happen. We've got to understand how to organize people. We've got to understand how to manage the money, the P&L. Yeah. We've got, you know, on and on and on. You're actually reversing the, the sequence I identified. Uh, well, let's, let's actually get the sequence right. Yeah. Because I, I think everybody listening is going, okay, I've got some problems in my business, but it, our minds have trouble organizing things. We just open our business and it looks like a junk drawer. And so all we do is answer ringing phones and crisis management and those kinds of things. Yep. And yet, if we can sit down, get control of it, and say, okay, we're going to fix things in this order right. in order to make this machine right. Why was it important for you to actually have an order? Yeah, because I found when it comes to human survival, we're very good at instinctually identifying what we need. Mm. There's a thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which yes, I know yes, you're yes. familiar with, right? The base level is physiological. So we're in this, this beautiful Food space. Food shelter. Right? Yeah. We're right now, we're in this room, but if uh, if all of a sudden there's a deprivation of oxygen, this conversation's out the window. Right. It's all about gasping for air. So we instinctually respond to it. Our businesses have this similar structure. There's a base lessons uh, level of air, which is sales. If you have no right. sales for your organization... But then it, we move up this hierarchy. But we're not instinctually wired into our business. Like, we're wired into ourselves. If, if I walk down a dark alley and I get freaked out, I should turn around and walk away. I probably will get murdered. Yeah. You know, but my business, I don't have the instincts because I'm not wired into my business. But I do trust my gut, and that's the problem. Most business owners say, well, I trust my gut. My gut says I need more sales. My gut says I need this. When, in fact, we need to go through this sequence. Very much like a, a pilot flying an airplane. I think yeah. of a business like an airplane. Yeah. And I think you've got to have wings, which are your products. You've got to have engines, which are your sales. You've got to have a body, which is your overhead. You've got to have a cockpit, which is somebody in control. You've got to have a flight plane. You have to have fuel, which is yeah. cash flow. So you have to have all those things working in proportion or the thing's going to crash. That's a great analogy. Yeah. And it, but the thing about pilots is a bad pilot is going to trust their gut. Oh, totally. Where a good pilot's going to go, no, we're going to go through the pre-flight checklist, post-flight checklist. Whatever. Yeah. I was reading um, this uh, plane crash. I think it was in Korea. This is a way back when uh, the pilots were trying to trust their gut. The plane was uh, in too much of a pitch, uh, which you can't sustain flight, right? It's pointing right, up. Right. And they were trusting their gut of how to adjust it. And they weren't listening to the signal. The computer on the airplane is saying, bring the pitch down. And they're looking and they're like, no, we actually need to turn the pitch up. And they actually went into a vertical yeah. and a crashed airplane. Happens all the time in business. Yeah. I don't want to you know, be overdramatic, 
But the overwhelming majority of these businesses crash. I mean, it's Sadly, not. Sadly, yeah. yeah and, and the reason is because we're our gut. Isn't, yeah, it's not a pre flight checklist. There's not this thing to go through. Here is the most fascinating thing. As I was studying businesses and, and I developed what I call the business hierarchy of needs. So the foundational level is sales, that's the oxygen for business. Right. The next level up is profit, which translates to sustainability of a business. And there's, there's three more levels above it. But here's what I found. Business owners inevitably revert to sales as the solution for any problem they have. They right. try to sell their way out of it. It's like saying in Maslow hierarchy, I don't have shelter. You know, there's a monsoon tearing through Tennessee, and I don't have shelter. I'm going to start breathing more deeply out in this uh, this crazy <laughs> monsoon to hopefully get out of this. It's crazy, yeah. but that's what our business does. We need, for example, profitability, sustainability, which is shelter for a business, and yet we try to gasp for air, sell more as the solution. So and I, often we're selling more and we're selling more, and there's not a profit margin there. We just needed the cash flow, and now we're it in a bigger It amplifies the problem. Yeah, yeah, we're in a big run. We're in, we're, that pitch is getting steeper and steeper. Yeah, exactly. And then we're going we're yeah, to we stall. Yeah, we got to climb. Exactly. You say in the book, when prospects don't regularly identify your company as a solution to their needs, that means you are not top of mind with those prospects. By having a consistent presence in a community of ideal prospects with a reputation for excellence, you will generate a degree of awareness in prospects who will seek you out when they require your service or product. Yeah. You actually, you talk about that being the foundation. Sales level, right? yeah. So what, what does that mean? It's the power does of, it mean you got to figure out what you're selling and who you're selling to and how to position it? That's exactly it. And you need to appear in front of a very specific community repeatedly because trust builds that way. You know I've now met multiple times to the point where it's kind of blurred. How many times have we met face-to-face? Yeah, That's I can't even remember, yeah. Right, so there's inherent trust. There's an adoration I have for you just because we've seen each other so frequently. Well, we can build that same kind of trust with our customers where that becomes blurred. Yet most small businesses try to go after all these different markets. So they have one I touch. I agree. I agree. They all try to go after new markets, and I'm like, no, you haven't tapped the one you're in. Here, yeah. Here's something I've been saying lately because I remember this. My wife and I were dating. I chased her to Washington, D.C. She lived in D.C. I lived in Portland. I moved to Washington, D.C. Smart, smartest so stalkerish. Move ever. Yeah. There's well, a smirk coming up. There was some of that. So the <laughs> smartest move I ever made. She sat me down one day, and she said, Don, you're a quality time guy. She goes, you can get a lot done really quickly. You connect with people really well, really fast. You know, I'm thinking she's complimenting me. Yeah. And then she says, she throws this at me. She says, I'm a quantity time girl. <laughs> oh, that's definitely distinct. <laughs> and what she different. was saying was, one, pump the brakes. Yeah, yeah. And two, I'm gonna, we're going to need to spend a ton of time together. And I'm going to, you know, I need to see you in every context and figure out whether you're weird. Yeah. And then I, I was able to stall long enough that uh, she didn't figure out I was weird until we got married. But <laughs> never mind. Now she's in, right? She said yeah. about us. But the thing I was looking at our sales funnel years later. Translating into business. Look at our sales. I realized up to 80 to 85% of our business was coming from people who had gone through the sales gauntlet. And what they were telling me was, we're quantity time people, not quality time. You can't just sell to me and leave. Yes. You have to sell to me, be my friend, hang out, prove value. Years in, they'll commit to you. The lines, I've been following you for years. Truly had a call this morning with a person who just joined our organization. He's like, oh, I've been following you for years. And started to recount stories of other mm. people in our organization. Oh, I followed Lorraine's story and so forth. Well, these are these are stories that I go way back. Yeah. And it is building trust. You know, there's a little hack. I'll actually show it today because we're having our author meetup this afternoon. Yeah. I'm going to show you guys a hack on a website of how you can build trust faster. The tip is this. It's through pictures, but it's through picture variability. Most authors will show one consistent picture of themselves over and over again. That does not build trust. It's the variety of pictures. Wow. Yeah. I am taking notes. Because it starts to blur, <laughs> it starts to blur the line between meeting someone in person. If you can show enough variability in photos, it's like, have I met them? And if they think they've met you, they trust you more. 
That's really fascinating. Okay, so after we figure out our sales, who we're selling to, yep. what we're selling, start to build trust, a consistent, long-form relationship with people, we need to actually figure out permanent profit. So yes. you start with sales. What are you selling? And then you start adjusting for profit? That's right. Sales is the creation of cash. Profitability is the creation of sustainability. And we need some cash flowing through, but then we need to have a capture point. How are we going to keep the sales that come in, a portion of that, uh, retained within the business? Most people don't define profitability properly. Profit is money that remains in the business for the specific distribution to the shareholder. Hmm. That's what its retention is. I, I met with one person that came to my profit first presentation. At the end, she's like, I don't know if I need your system. I had a 28% profit. It's like, that's amazing. I said, what'd you do with it? She's like, well, I plowed it back into the business. <laughs> the second I hear plow back or reinvest, that's not profit. Right, yeah. That's like we play, yeah we if you're writing it off, it's not profit. Yeah, we played a shell game. So profit is the retention of cash for the benefit of the shareholder. Hmm, okay. So you need to figure that out, though. You need to. And in, in my airplane analogy, we just call that fuel economy. Yes, it's right. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, once you get the fuel in, you get going. Now we're going to start tweaking for a fuel efficiency, fuel economy. And mm-hmm. it translates to sustainability of a business. There's a bunch of ways to do that. If a business is not profitable, that means every penny that's coming in is going right back out the door. That is a hand-to-mouth survival, and that mm-hmm. is a very precarious position to be in. Have you ever read Andrew Grove's book, uh, High Output Management? He's the Intel? He's the Intel guy. Um, no. Talk about an no. egghead who turned around a company who can actually write. I was shocked. I mean, th- that's very few people who can actually do that, run a billion-dollar company and then turn around and explain what they did in a way that you can understand Yeah. Them. But he talks about activity-to-output ratio in terms of adjusting <sighs> for profit. Look at the activity and measure how much output are we getting out of this activity and begin adjusting so you get more and more output out of the same activity or similar activity, you know, yeah. calories burned. Yeah. And so that's huge for us, too. We're in that phase now. And, you know, sometimes it actually takes a person when you get big enough. We have about 24 people on staff. We had to hire somebody from a multi-billion dollar firm to come. I mean, he, he left multi-billion dollar yeah. company to come to us to help us figure out what butts need to be in what seats, what do they need to be doing, and how can we get the most output for activity. And it's been, you, you can feel the thrust of the company moving forward when you do that. There's power in the outside vantage point, right? Because they can see the forest where we can only see the trees. And the other thing, Mike, do you agree with me? A lot of people are really good at making money. They're not great at, at managing money. By managing, I, I mean, you know, creating more efficiency. Their superpowers, they can go out and make some money. Yeah. And so they never turn around and say, okay, we need to figure out fuel economy here. Oh, my God. Do I agree with you? I want to <laughs> jump over and hug you. And I want to wear your white glasses. Like, <laughs> it's not about how much you make. It's how much you take. And those are distinctly different things. I'll be right back with the rest of my conversation with Mike Michalowicz in just a moment. We are hosting a live stream of the StoryBrand Marketing Workshop on May 18th and 19th, and I'd love for you to be there. We had hundreds of people at our April workshop, and now, of course, we want to be very careful not to get into the same room and spread the coronavirus any further. We're going to do it again. We're doing it on May 18th and 19th. And listen, normal workshops are very expensive, but because we don't have to rent the room and we're not buying meals and we're not buying hotels and we're not buying flights for a lot of different people, we are able to pass that savings on to you. So it's one-third the cost that it normally is. So if you didn't catch the first live stream and you want to catch the second, just go to storybrand.com. Go to storybrand.com and register right now. You will end up with a clear message, and you'll know how to build a sales funnel. And listen, if you had a sales funnel when the coronavirus crisis struck, you were much more likely to survive because you could, one, pivot your message, and two, reach out to customers with a new offer. Anybody who had a sales funnel, that is email addresses they could email, were much more likely to survive. We survived because we had email addresses that we could send an offering to. I want you to survive the next crisis. And not only that, I want you to be able to rebuild your company using the power of a marketing sales 
funnel. We're going to help you build one on May 18th and 19th. Just go to storybrand.com and register today. Remember, it's one third the cost. Plus, you don't have to travel. You can just watch me live right there in your living room. Go to storybrand.com and register for the next StoryBrand Marketing live stream today. Okay, next we want to achieve organizational order. order. Yeah. Now this is counterintuitive for some people and it's hard. Yeah. This is where I think I think a lot of people do the first two things. Yeah. They figure out sales and then they, they start adjusting for profit because mm -hmm. they want to see more of that money. Yep. And they never actually create processes. Even if you're not going to scale, I say create processes as, as though you, you're going to scale. Absolutely. So order is the creation of efficiency throughout the organization. The ultimate acid test is where there's no dependency on the owner. I call it the four-week vacation. If I can remove myself, I love that in your book. Thank you. You talk about I do. make the goal of four-week vacation. And see four consecutive walk away. weeks, yeah. right? And and the goal isn't necessarily a grand vacation. The test is: can the business operate in my absence? Mm -hmm. And if it can, and it can it can sustain and grow, it likely can sustain on its perpetuity. Do you talk about how to do that in the book? A little bit. Clockwork is the book I dedicated to that concept. Right. But I talk about the necessity of it. I'll tell you this, though. We did amplify it. At my office, every employee now, we're mandating a four-week vacation annually. and Every single employee is getting a month off? Yes. We started with our linchpin employees. Now it's every employee. And it is for their benefit, but it's for my benefit. My president, her name's Kelsey. If Kelsey left uh, before, people were twiddling their thumbs. They didn't know what to do. Now, Kelsey, she actually went away for eight weeks. When she left, she had prepared the organization to run in her absence. And we've done it for Amy. We've done it for Jenna, Jeremy. We're doing it for everybody. That's an amazing test. It's an amazing test. And if test. the company falls apart while they're gone, they know they have some work they're, to do. They're responsible. Yeah. But it, it's, it's forced this redundancy in an organization. And sadly, many small companies do not have redundancy. There's, there's a massive dependency on too few employees. And there's no thought about that employee leaving. And inevitably, they're going to leave. I don't know if it's going to be because of intention or accident, but someone's going to leave for some reason. Yeah. So when you, you look at companies that scale, we go meet with Chick-fil-A quite a bit. Anybody can walk out and walk back in, you know, in That's an actual idea. store operation. And they do. You know, yeah. the turnover is high when you're dealing with quick serve restaurants. It's all processes, 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 processes. Yeah. In a small company, listen, we have 12 employees, so we're tiny. Doing that, we can't have that much process in place. We can't have that much redundancy. If Kelsey left us for an extended period of time, that's 10% of my organization. So it does hurt us. But we've now retained the knowledge to the point where she, myself too, have become replaceable to a high degree. Yeah. It's a hard season to figure out. Like, I, as you were talking, I was just thinking, okay, how would I do that with this podcast? Like, how would I turn this into a series of processes where Kula could step in and just do the interview because she knows on Monday we secure the guest, on Tuesday we write the briefing, on Wednesday we talk about what our social media strategy is going to be to promote it yeah. on Thursday, and then on Friday we shoot it. We don't do that, but we absolutely could. It well, would, we would only benefit from that, by the way. Even if we never scaled, yeah. we would only produce a better podcast. I've been on Dave Ramsey's podcast that so you have. Ken Coleman runs it, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so there's a perfect example. Is It's Dave's podcast, but he's not the one doing the podcast. Now, I realize he's also the sp primary spokesperson, so that's why he has his radio show. And we have the right and can make that choice. Do we want to be a spokesperson for our organization? Yeah, yeah. And I kind of do. I kind of like it. Yeah. All right. After achieving an organizational order, we first get, then give? Yeah, well, this is part of the hierarchy. So uh, we're going to transition to what's called the impact stage. But here was the big discovery between this transition. These first three levels are about getting for your organization. Mm -hmm. My mom used to say, hey, Mike, you have to give to get. Well, mom was kind of lying. You actually have to get to in order to give. Right. So many companies that I've worked with set out with this grand vision. They wanted this massive impact. They want to be 
of service to others, but they skip sales, they, they skip yeah. profitability for sure, and they have yeah. no efficiency, and the business collapses under its own weight. So we have to understand that we have to get sales, profit, and order in place in order to move to the next two levels of hierarchy, which are impact and legacy. Gosh, this is, I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Although I think we should give all the time, but I actually sat down. I sat down with a family member recently, and we've succeeded in the last five years. What a lot of people don't realize, they think of of me as a successful business guy. Five years ago, I lost everything. I had nothing. Well, yeah. it was about seven years ago, actually. I've been telling that story for too long. <laughs> uh, you know, I lost everything. Yeah, I had five thousand dollars to my yeah. name, and decided, okay, I'm going to org. I did a lot of things in this book. Yeah. I'm just going to organize this thing in such a way to build a machine. And then we started giving about ten percent off the top. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing is, as my friend sat down and said, "Why don't you give this away? Why don't you do this? You've always been a generous guy." I said, "Look, I'm building a machine." that over the long term is going to give millions more than I could if I just gave it away once. It was sort of counterintuitive because it didn't feel sacrificial to her. Yeah. And I, even I was kind of like, I hope I'm right. you know. But you know, there was a, seven years ago, lost everything in an, in an unwise investment. All my decision, my complete responsibility. Lost every bit of New York Times bestselling author money I'd ever had. Wow. Now, Betsy and I give to charity that every year. Yeah, that's beautiful. Because we built a machine. Yep. Where if I would have just given away the first bit of it, it would have been a one-time thing. That's exactly right. You know, I agree. And part of the thing is, especially with my wife, because my wife does not care about money. She doesn't care about She's not an Enneagram 3. Yeah. I'm like, please think I'm successful, everybody. She's like, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. She doesn't care about it. But she, what she cares about is the ability to change all of these lives. So partly the machine you're building exists to change. You can't take it with you. That's the ultimate discovery. Yeah. So you build the machine, and that horsepower runs this generator that can really change the world. I'd argue that's why we've been putting this plan as entrepreneurs. I agree is uh, at the highest level, I call it the legacy stage of a business, is where you realize you were never a business owner, you've been a business steward, and your job Agreed. is to, to be of contribution. And not not just with the money, inside oh, the company, everyone. with the jobs we're creating. The jobs! All that. We, we, we're visiting, your, your home is so beautiful, we're visiting here. I saw people outside working. They're employed because of what you'll be able to contribute. Uh, your colleagues, your vendors, your clients, all these people can have impact on. But that can only happen if we're responsible at the sales, profit, and order level. Yeah. Okay, so first get, then give. Evolve from transaction to transformation with impact. You say in your book, with all your five basic needs met at the impact level, it's all satisfied. Price is a secondary consideration for your clients. They are no longer asking, is this the best deal? Instead, they are asking, how can I actually be part of this? You're talking about creating what some people call raving fans. Raving fans. And this is where your company is no longer a transaction. It's about transformation. Uh, Harley Davidson is a great example. You know, you can buy a motorcycle anywhere, but you get a Harley. Now you're a weekend warrior. You throw a tat on your shoulder. Right. There's, brand, a, there's an aspirational identity, is what we call that. That you're yeah, yeah, actually yeah. selling. You're part of a community. Yeah. It, it, you, you when you hear customers truly, authentically saying, "You've changed my life. You've achieved this level." Story brand. I've been to your events three times now. I love what happens there. And I'm watching now the behind the scenes, not the education, but how people are reacting to it. And it's transformational. Mm-hmm. Um, people are owning new labels for themselves. They call themselves guides. And uh, the community is talking about the elevation of others. That's a transformational experience. We as business owners have the right to get to the order level and to stop. That's yeah. just a money-making ATM. Yeah. Or we can go now to this gifts level where you're changing people's lives for the better. That's right. I was driving down the street the other day, and a guy had his arm out of his truck, and he had a Harley Davidson tattoo yeah. on his arm. And I thought, that's it. They've created an you identity, and they're selling that identity. Now, honestly, 
their mission statement these days is horrible, and they need to act. Yeah. They're in decline for a very good reason. They've yeah. lost the sense of mission. Yeah. And just give me a call. I'll hey, work with you. you I'll know work what? with you for, in Harley, are you for a roadster. But you know what? <laughs> there you go. But you know what is interesting is this order, the sequence, I used to call it the ascension model. I no longer call it that because we actually do cycle through this. Hmm. Your business that might is really a great point. This yeah. is not permanent. It's not permanent. So we don't get to impact and stay. My own organization is actually reverting back to the sales level. As you build the structure bigger, you have to go back to the foundation and expand the foundation. Yeah. So every organization cycles back through this. Yeah, that's a great, great point. We're, we're really, you know, we think of building a business as building a building. Right. And you're really building a body. Yes. It's constantly working and consuming constantly calories working, and changing exactly. and evolving. Much and better. Getting older and those kinds of things. All right. So after we evolve from transaction to transformation with impact, spark your company's forever legacy. In the book, Legacy for a Business is all about the business continuing to have impact beyond your active participation. Yeah. This is the creation of permanence and the yeah. highest level of business ownership. This is where, I, like I told you earlier, that we could become a steward of the business and realize we've just been a cog in the wheel. Maybe we're the inception point, but we aren't important to the business beyond that. The business now has a life of its own. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a real mental shift. It's like saying, you know, where's my company going to be without me? Where do I want this company to be uh, 100 years from now when I'm well gone? And... Uh, not any organizations necessarily even consider this, and therefore when the owner leaves, the company collapses under that. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do here now. We're trying to figure out, it's going to take five, seven years. Oh, it takes time. To figure out how to get this thing beyond me and just some principal folks here. But I believe it's possible. Yeah. You know, I really do. Okay, and finally, you can and you will. There are infinite ways to address business challenges. This part is up to you. As long as you know which way to turn, you'll get to your destination. So, so this is a challenge to us? This is a challenge at the end of the book. And uh, actually how I open the book is with a thesis saying the biggest challenge business owners face is knowing what their biggest challenge is. Hmm. We're in this cycle of always addressing apparent issues, urgent issues. Our, our agenda is dictated more by our email than our plan or vision for the business. And so what I challenge people here is between every action reaction, there's an opportunity for pause. Between the reaction, there needs to be consideration. And I want people to just look at this hierarchy. What's the situation you're in? Where's it fit in your hierarchy? And where's your business in the hierarchy? And then take the action accordingly. Is it a good idea, you think, to read your book and maybe get a big piece of butcher paper out and build the pyramid on the and say, two years, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this. And how long do you think it would take? Uh, depending on where you are. Depending on where you are. And some businesses, you know, they rocket through this. And other ones, that, you know, I was working with one guy in business for 13 years, and he did that. He did the butcher block, had the pyramid up there. He said, I hated it because the pyramid was telling me I had to go back to the base. He's like, I'm 13 years into business. I deserve to be at Legacy. He's like, I, didn't, I wanted to resist this. He's <laughs> it's like, about a time thing. It's a work thing. thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and finally, he says, I caved into it. I went back to sales. And now his business is actually moving forward again. So the blockages will present themselves. There is no time frame. It's just in the present moment, where's the biggest blockage? We have to clear that out. Well, if you're, if you're sitting at home, you're thinking, we could be doing better. There's certain things that are kind of confusing. I'm not sure what to do. This is the book. Yes. It's a roadmap, but it's also, it finds that blockage for you. So you're not, most businesses are in this trap of survival, putting out fires. There's one blockage we need to fix at a time. So it sequences you. Yeah. Yeah. Mike McCallitz, thanks for coming on. Don, a joy. Absolute joy. Thanks for having me. So that's how you do it. Yeah, it's that. It's pretty simple. <laughs> Everything he creates, I really... He's very generous and fun. Yeah, he just, he gives so many practical tips, and we've used his stuff for a long time, yeah. even in our own company. He's half Jack Welch and half Patch Adams. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> if Robin Williams ran GE, 
yeah. he would be Mike McAllis. Yeah, he he's kind of a Pied Piper too. He was yeah, actually he at our last live workshop, the last he's one been, that we yeah, did. He's been three times, been a couple different times, but he had a whole group with him, and they were just the funnest group to yeah, be around. Of course, anybody attracted to Mike is going to be pretty fun. Well, go out and get the book. Fix this next. It's on Amazon. Also, buy the hardback. If you buy the hardback, it triggers Amazon to tell other business owners about it, and that's just a big favor to Mike. Mike, we love you. Can't wait for you to come back on the show. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Apple Music or Spotify. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.